This is the Universal Radio Network and you're listening to us on 1440 AM. Stay tuned. Thank you for tuning in to the Universal Radio Network. This is Safreed Butcher, and you're tuned in on 1440 AM. Joining me today from the eastern part of Canada is Tina Singh. Tina Singh, the occupational therapist, content creator, mother of three beautiful children. More recently, she is the founder of Bold Helmets. Welcome, Tina. How are you? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. No, it's a pleasure. I've been seeing so much on social media about yourself, about Bold Helmets, and I was like, I need to have Tina because you are such a great example of those topics that we love discussing on our channel of how South Asian representation is so important, but also how to find your passion and drive and work towards that. Oh, thank you. That's a very kind words about me. I wanted to begin by actually congratulating you. This is such a huge thing for our community. It's something that when I saw this, I was actually wondering how it doesn't already exist, if I'm being honest. I'm like, how did this not already happen? How is someone not thought about this already? And I'm going to say it's amazing that you've done it. And congratulations for that. Yeah, no, thank you. And I think that's been the feedback from a lot of parents is, you know, we thought about this when our kids were younger or, you know, where was this when I was a kid? And so there's been a lot of that feedback. And so it seems like it's been a long time coming. Of course, and I did want to ask Tina, since you are also an occupational therapist and obviously you're a mother, where did the main inspiration come behind creating Bold Helmets? 100% of the inspiration came from my own kids, right? So I have three boys, uh, all of them keep their hair, and so my oldest, you know, once he turned about four or five, I had a really hard time with helmets. And then going back to my experience as an occupational therapist, I worked in the area of acquired brain injury. That's where I spent all my years, and so you know, when my kids go out riding or scootering or skateboarding, a helmet is a must for them. That's not something I compromise on. And so um, I needed an option for them that would fit. And the traditional helmets just, they, there came a point where they just no longer fit in a way that they would be beneficial. And since that day where this became a reality, where you started thinking about this, you're like, okay, my children are at the age where I need to figure out something. Something doesn't exist. I'm going to take matters into my own hand. From that day to now where we're launching, we're in the pre-sale phase. Could you sort of walk us down that process of what steps were involved with making this a reality? So I originally, you know, thought about this idea like five years ago, and then we sat on it and you know, I kind of forgot about it a little bit. And then it would just kind of be nagging in the back of my mind. And then about three years ago, as my older kids started to play hockey, actually, is when I was like, there needs to be a better option. And, you know, at least for the biking that so many kids are involved in. And so once I made that commitment to wanting to give this a go, I, I knew in my mind what I wanted the helmet to look like. And, you know, for me, it just follows the form of a butka, right? So for me, it felt very straightforward as to, you know, the very minor modification that it needed in order to work well. And so then I enlisted the help of an engineer to help draw out that that design or that image in my mind. And once I had that, then we went through a couple of iterations of, you know, once we learned what was involved in testing and what kind of things the helmet needs in order to pass that safety testing, we made some iterations. And so 
there's been a couple of changes in between, but that was basically the process, you know, of thinking about what I wanted the design to look like, consulting with an engineer and hiring them to help draw it out, going to a manufacturer who has experience in this space with helmets and has had helmets tested, who could give us some feedback of their knowledge and experience in getting helmets tested. And so from there, we made the changes and then, you know, you create a batch, you test the batch and once you get the approval, then we then we bulk manufacture. And are they all being manufactured in Canada? No, so they're being manufactured in China. Um, it's where I was able to find the best manufacturers to be able to work with me in this because it really was a change, right? Like it, when you go in and you try to change something like a helmet, it's new for a lot of manufacturers. And um, truthfully, early on, I had a hard time finding people to work with me, not in the manufacturing space, but um, even in the engineering space, if I'm honest, like they're, they're was one firm in particular who you know went through this process to tell me that I'm sorry we will not take your money because we don't think you'll ever get to the end of this so um, you know there was there was some skepticism because it is a safety product and so they have to be tested and meet a certain standard and so um, you know it was a hard it was a little bit of a, hard, a challenge finding the right people right I can imagine that process as well it could be a lot of ups and downs especially because this is something so new and like you said the safety issue could create some skepticism for companies of do they want to get involved in this in case there are any issues but I'm happy that you were able to find someone that assisted you with this process and hey we're in pre-sales now so let's talk about those pre-sales how are things going on your end the pre-sales are going great we've currently just opened it up uh, to Canada and they're open till the end of January um, and we are offering like a discounted rate and flat rate shipping across Canada just as a Canadian brand we wanted to open it up to our Canadian core first before we opened it up to the you know to the US and UK etc okay so US and UK are in the pipeline then they are on the pipeline yes that's right Excellent, because I'm half the time in Canada, half the time in the UK, and someone was asking me recently if it's going to be coming into the UK, so that's good to know. It is, yeah, and I feel like most of the emails I get on a daily basis are from the UK, you know, wondering, like, when when are pre-sales opening there? Um, so we, we do have a plan to get there. It's just a little bit of the logistics, and then us being a new business, a small business, we need to figure out, you know, the shipping and all the things, and so it takes a bit of time, but they are definitely on the list. See, and I want to take this moment to actually highlight what I admire the most of what you've accomplished here is the fact that you recognize there's a gap in the system that we're in Canada there's certain laws there's certain things that are available to us like bicycles there's bicycle lanes there's safety measures but for our culture there are many people who keep the hair there's young sirdars who want to be able to still enjoy those everyday things not have any restrictions there's some people most people I would say that would sit here and complain about the fact that we don't have any anything available but then there's people like you that take this systemic gap and they start filling these gaps and I really admire that about you and I do want to talk about this because anyone who's listening this is also something that I want to encourage all of you that if we do find systemic gaps we have a responsibility now don't we of the next generation sure our parents immigrated over they dealt with different struggles but now how do we make sure our children are able to assimilate into this environment seamlessly so what is it that really encourages you or drove you to make sure this becomes available in the market? So I think one of the big driving forces is exactly what you said. We're talking about inclusion and diversity in sports. And, you know, when we think about our kids and, you know, I, I shared the example of hockey. Hockey is one of those ones that we have so many of our kids involved in. And, you know, they're trying to tie their hair in a braid or do whatever they can. And really, there needs to be a better option for them. Like we are born and raised Canadian. So I am and so are my kids. And so to not be able to participate in things, to have people 
you know, I had someone actually from, actually, I think they were from Alberta, actually, someone emailed me saying that they, they run an inline skating program and their insurance requires everyone to wear a helmet. And every year there's kids that they have to have sit out because the helmet doesn't fit them. And so they want to batch order for their program. And so, you know, when I think about the kids and, you know, embracing that Canadian identity, but at the same time, being true to who they are, you know, whether that's keeping their hair, you know, I don't want there to be a kid who has to choose between their religious beliefs and participation in sport and recreation. Like that should never have to be a choice that's made. Whatever choice you make for your own religious path is your own, but it shouldn't be because sport didn't allow for it, right? Like that absolutely should not be the reason. And so that is a big driving force, force behind this. Like I want my kids to participate and be involved in all things. And I don't want them, you know, keeping their hair to stop them from participating in any of those things. And I think that when we talk to the larger population, like outside of the Sikh community, they would agree. And I think a lot of people who shared this product are outside of the Sikh community who are like, we never even realized that this was a problem, right? Because unless you're in it, you, you don't even realize it, right? You don't even know. And so I think it really just comes down to how do we accommodate to make sure sports and activities are accessible to everyone. And I, I'm happy if this is seen as, you know, a starting point for other businesses to, to take some actions in this space so that we can we can do the most for our kids. Like you said, diversity inclusion is it's a flavor of the decade, isn't it? We're all thinking of ways of how we can diversify more, how we can have more inclusivity. But a huge component is this equity. How do we make sure that people from different backgrounds have very similar opportunities and we don't have limitations due to their religious beliefs? And you have targeted that completely. Um, yeah, you make, you make it sound so good. <laughs> I'm like, I'm just thinking to myself and thinking about my own kids, but you're right, the broader the broader application or the broader context of all this whole conversation is exactly that, right? Like, how do we give people the same opportunities? Um, you know, Canadians should have the same opportunities across the board. And if I can help with that in some way, like, I'm, I'm thrilled. It's great, Tina. I'm actually so thrilled and I did go through your Instagram and even before Bold Helmets, you are also a content creator and you have some really good content there that I think anyone who ha- doesn't follow you should definitely check out. Could you actually share your social media handle with everyone? Sure, yeah, it's at the Tina thing. Great, and Tina, I do want to wrap up by a very important question about community support. So I will say the South Asian community in general and more specifically the Canadian South Asian community is very supportive for the most part. I do feel that most initiatives that come to life, it's because there is an army of support behind them. And it makes me truly happy as a South Asian, as a Canadian, to see that support. For you, how has the community support been since you've launched Bold Helmets? So the community support, I would say that it's been, you know, 99% positive. A lot of parents reaching out, really, really excited about this idea. I think it would be, um, like, I think it's also important to note, you know, that I think that I did get some negative reaction. And I think that comes from misrepresentation in the media. I think that this across uh, North American media was termed as a turban friendly helmet, which it's not. And this is meant for kids with pachkas and dudas. And so, you know, there's some people who feel you shouldn't put anything on top of your bag or your, if your child is wearing a pachka, that they should be wearing a full star or turban. And I think it really just comes down to providing choice to the parents. And I think for kids like mine, you know, kids like mine down the street who are wearing helmets that just don't fit, we need to provide them with a better option. And so, you know, the community support from parents, especially in my, in my, well, in the GTA has been overwhelmingly positive. And so I'm so thankful for it. 
That's beautiful. And Tina, if anyone wants to order a helmet, could you walk us through the process? Yeah, so right now we're taking pre-orders for Canada, so you can visit www.goldhelmets.com and place your pre-order. All orders placed now are hope to be delivered in March. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Tina. Appreciate your time. Keep striving and keep inspiring all of us. Thank you so much. Connecting cultures, lifestyles, and geography on the Universal Radio Network.